Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Hey, um, what, what would you be willing to do to experience freedom from sin? What would you be willing to do to experience freedom from sin in your life? Because this is something that, that we all desire. This is something that, that you want. This is something that I want. And, and we all want to experience freedom from sin in our lives. Because we know. We know what comes with that, right? There's like the shame. There's the guilt. There's the consequences. There's all the things that come on the tail end of that. So the question is, what in the world is keeping us from experiencing freedom from sin? And, and if you've ever taken time to think about that question, you know that it's not a single issue question. It's like pulling, you have a plate of spaghetti and you pull on one noodle. You're not just hanging on, there's all kinds of other things that come with that. And so it, there's a lot of reasons of why we don't experience freedom from sin in our life. But I'd like to throw out one that maybe is one of the biggest and we don't really like to talk about, and it's this. We enjoy our sin. We enjoy it, right? In the moment anyway, right? You think about the things that come afterwards and, and the repercussions and the consequences. We're not big fans of that, but, but we actually enjoy that moment. And, and what happens is that sin makes this huge promise. Sin says, if, if you step into this, I will give you and you will receive and you're going to experience but then sin never delivers. Huge promises with no delivery, and what you're left holding is guilt, shame, broken relationships, embarrassment. And so how in the world do we experience freedom from sin in our lives? And so today what I want to do is I want to show you from the Bible just really quickly what sin is. I want to talk about why Jesus' resurrection matters so much to our freedom from sin. And then I want to share one step that you and I can take today uh, that has a potential to lead you into experiencing freedom from sin. So if you brought a Bible with you, if you've got your phone, uh, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That's where we're going to be starting at today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's in the New Testament. While you're going there, I do want to take a moment. I want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here. If, uh, uh, if you're newer to here, if this is your first time or second time, I want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. We've actually been praying for you all week long, uh, praying that you would hear the gospel with clarity today, that you would experience God, that you would sense him working 
in your life. And so I'm very, very glad you're here today. I also want to take a moment and welcome everybody who's joining us at Lighthouse Online, whether you're in Hancock County or you're somewhere else. We're really glad that you're a part of the family today. We are uh, a few weeks into our series. We're called Our Only Hope. And what we've been doing for the last few weeks and what we'll be doing for the next few weeks is we are looking specifically at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the reality that Jesus' resurrection is the absolute cornerstone of Christianity and for your faith. And we've been unpacking what are all of the implications that come because Jesus is risen from the dead. And when you begin to see how central the resurrection of Jesus is, you begin to see very clearly and quickly that he really is our only hope. There's, there's no other source. There's no other place of hope in our lives. So uh, before we read the scripture and jump into our teaching, I want to take a moment to pray together. So let's bow our heads and pray. God, this morning, um, we, we need you more than anybody else. We need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And, and I'm very grateful for even just moments ago being prayed for that the Holy Spirit is living inside of me. The Holy Spirit is living inside of every born-again believer right now. And you're here. And so we want to hear your voice. Will you lead us into truth today that really transforms our lives? We ask these things through the great name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Okay. Hey, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we're starting. I'm going to start. By the way, if you've never read First Corinthians 15, you really should. Um, this is one of the most remarkable chapters about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and why it matters. So if you haven't yet, read the whole thing. We're going to read a couple of passages starting in uh, verse 54. And so in verse 54, this is what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote. He said, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first place that where Paul starts is he goes, listen, the perishable has got to be clothed in imperishable. The mortal has got to be clothed in immortal. And if you're like me, the very first question that bubbles up is, why? Why? Why does the perishable... And the mortal need to be clothed by the imperishable and the immortal. And what is Paul talking about? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. We're perishable. We are mortal. We are all on a similar pathway towards death. And the reason we're on that roadway and that pathway is because of sin. That's why we're there. We've, we've become perishable because of sin. We've become mortal because of sin. That's why. And so I, I'm, I think it's important for us to take a moment and talk about what is this thing called sin? I hear it thrown around a lot in the church. I hear it described in different ways. What in the world is this idea, this concept of sin? And I think when we think about sin, one of the first places we go is we think about thoughts and actions. 
And that's clear. You look in places like Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, you see very clearly there's a list of both actions and thoughts that are labeled as sin. That's clear. But then if you go to other places in the Bible, you go to like 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, it says this, it defines, it defines sin as lawlessness. Sin is living without constraints. And what James is really saying is sin is living without God. That's what he's talking about. Jesus' own words, he describes sin as slavery. Sin is slavery. You will, work, you will spend your whole life working for sin, and you'll never earn anything for it. Right? And you can't get out by yourself. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 7 describes sin as rebellion against God. The conscious decision to say, I will do what I want to do, as opposed to saying yes to God's leadership. There's a theologian by the name of Augustine, and he describes sin as disordered love. That anything that you love more than God, that's sin. So if you love your family more than the Lord, if you love your job, if you love wealth, if you love influence, if you love attention more than the Lord, that's, that's sin. It's disordered loves. And then James, again, goes even deeper into sin because James says in chapter 4, verse 17, he says, sin is knowing the good you ought to do and refusing to do it. That's sin. And so you, when you know a good action you're supposed to take, when you know the Spirit is leading you to do something and you refuse to do it, that's sin too. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, describes sin as the opposite of righteousness. Let me describe righteousness really quickly. Righteousness simply is this. Righteousness is a healthy relationship with God based on his standards. That's what righteousness is. It's a healthy relationship with God based on his standards, which means sin's the opposite of that, which means sin is a broken relationship with God in which I choose my own standards. That's what sin is. And the result of sin every single time is death. Sin always leads to death, which at its core is separation from God because God's the source of life. He's the author of life. And, and I know for maybe some of you here this morning, you're, you're, you're kind of new to Christianity, you're thinking through this, you're working through this, you go, well, wait a second, what do you mean I'm dead? I'm not dead, I'm moving, I'm alive, I do whatever I want, I have an actually pretty good life right now. What you need to know is you can be physically alive while spiritually dead at the same time. Both those things can be true simultaneously. And here's the kicker. If you die physically while you're dead spiritually, you enter into what's known as eternal death. That is the ultimate wage of sin. And sin always leads to death. And so you have to understand that to really begin to understand what's behind the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you got to know that those two, they're tied together. They're tied together. 
And let me tell you how. We have to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and read those passages again. Starting in verse 54, it says this, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, sin is real. Death is real. But also, sin and death has been swallowed up in victory, right? This is what he's saying. And you go, well, what victory? What victory is Paul talking about? He's talking about the victory of Jesus. He's talking about his resurrection, that Jesus' resurrection is that which defeated sin and death for us. And that's critical to understand. You see, what happened is when Jesus was killed on the cross, he took your identity as a sinner. Let me tell you what that means. That when Jesus was on the cross, what God did is God placed all of your sinful acts on Jesus. God placed all of your lawlessness on Jesus. God placed all of your living without constraints on Jesus. God held Jesus guilty for every good deed that has been refused to be done. That God saw Jesus as a rebel against his sovereignty. God saw Jesus as sin. Though he's the only one who ever walked in perfect righteousness and holiness his entire existence. You have to understand that Jesus took ownership of your sin and all of the consequences that come with it. That's what happened on the cross. And, and by the way, when Jesus is on the cross and sin and death and Satan are seeing this happen and take place, they're like, oh yeah. And so what do they do? They fire their absolute best shot at Jesus, which is, which is death, right? This is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15. Death is the sting, right? This is, this is what, where sin always leads, it's to death. So they, they fired their best shot at Jesus, which was death. And for about three days, they thought they had won. But something amazing happened on Sunday morning. What happens? The victory of Jesus. Jesus is raised from the dead, victorious over sin and over death. And I love the way that Paul describes it. He says, it's been swallowed up. It's been swallowed. Death and sin have been overwhelmed by the resurrection of Jesus. Death and sin have been absorbed by Jesus and his resurrection, absolutely incredible. And, and, and there's this funny thing that's going on in 1 Corinthians 15, those passages we read. Paul is like taunting death. Hey, death, where's your victory? Hey, death, right? Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Right? <laughs> He's like just poking the bear. Like, wait, you don't, ha- you don't have any power anymore. Jesus defeated you. 
The other really big thing that happened when Jesus was raised from the dead, what God was saying in that moment when he raised Jesus from the dead is this. I accept your death. I accept your sacrifice on the cross as final and full payment of all sin for all people for all time. There is no more payment to be made. It's done. And so because of his resurrection, we can be set free from sin. And if Jesus, here's the thing, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, you're still in your sin. You're still awaiting eternal death. You're still seen as a rebel. You're seen as a lawless one. You're seen as a self-centered creature who shakes his or her fist in the face of God under the sentence of eternal death. But thankfully, Jesus has been raised from the dead, which means we can be set free from sin. And so this is important to understand that if you've put your faith in Jesus, the, the moment, the absolute, like, I don't even think you can, uh, like, equate the amount of time and how long like it takes to take place. But the moment that you genuinely put your faith in Jesus Christ, God declared you forgiven. He declared you adopted. He declared you holy. He declared you set free from sin. In that moment, all of that and more takes place. Now, the Bible uses a pretty big word called to describe it called justification. And justification is a legal term that essentially means not guilty. Now, there's kind of a neat way like, to remember what this word justification means. It literally, it means when you're justified, God looks on you just as if I've never sinned. That's justification. And, and so that happens. Jesus even said in John chapter 8, verse 36, actually, let's do this. This will be on the screen. Let's read this passage out loud together, beginning with, so if the Son, are you ready? Go. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free. This is the words of Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you're actually free. This is justification. This is, this is what it means to be born again through Jesus Christ. That's true. What I also know to be very real for many of us, most of us in this room, is you're going, if I'm free in Christ, then why do I still struggle with sin? And why do I lose so often? That's your question. That's, that's where you're wrestling with right now. And I want to give you a little bit of an analogy that may help you understand. You and I are addicts. We were born into the addiction of sin. And before salvation in Christ, that's how we were raised and that's how we lived. We, lit, we were born into lawlessness. We were raised in rebellion. We were trained to be self-centered and choose life for ourselves. And so we're born into this lifestyle of choosing sin and we're addicts to it. 
And, and in a similar way, there's a moment, if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever been around addiction or, or walked with somebody through all of that, but there's a very powerful moment in the life of an addict when they make this decision, I'm going to be clean. That is a powerful moment in the life of somebody who's battling addiction, no matter what the form looks like. When they, when they decide in their mind, I'm not doing this anymore, that's a powerful moment. And what's also what any person who's finding freedom from addiction knows, that's the starting place. And then you spend the rest of your life making decisions in line with that decision every single day. And so what it takes, right, is it takes this new life. It takes new habits. It requires new tribe. It requires going to new places. It requires a new mindset, right? All of that, if you're going to break free from this addiction. Now, again, if you've ever been close to it, you begin to ask the question, well, don't sometimes addicts relapse? And the answer is, yes, they do. Do you want to know most times when an addict relapses back into their addiction? When real life begins to get too much. It's overwhelming. Stress levels are through the roof. People aren't doing what I want them to do. Life isn't going the way that I thought it would go. I don't feel happy right now, right? And so what happens is real life gets to be way too much. And so in that moment, they escape through their addiction. Why? Because it's what they know. And it worked before. And I didn't have to deal with this stuff when I was leveraging this over here. This is exactly one of the reasons why you and I, even after we're born again, and the Spirit's living inside of us, it's one of the reasons we choose sin even afterwards. I want to say that very specifically. When you're in Christ and you've been born again and the Spirit of God is living in you, you choose sin. You're not required. You're not made. You choose. And the reason we choose sin is when life gets to be overwhelming, when people aren't doing what we want them to do, when God isn't giving me the blessing that I've prayed for, when he's not responding the way that I want him to respond, what do I do? I go back to what I know. I go back to what I know because it's worked before. And also, it's, it's just this one time, right? And it'll be okay. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, in that moment, you are declared free. You're justified. It's real. You're, you're legally seen as holy and blameless and free, and you actually are. And you and I still have to choose freedom from sin all the time. We choose to trust Jesus. We choose to walk with Jesus. So you got to choose freedom from sin. Now, there's a massive difference between a Christian and between an addict who's trying to do it on their own, who's not a Christian. Here's the difference. The people who are not Christians, they have to figure out how to stay sober on their own. 
They have to figure out how to stay free from sin on their own. But Christians, those who have been truly born again, you actually have the Holy Spirit living within you, empowering you to choose freedom, to choose Jesus, to resist sin. And you can do it. The reason I say that is because in Romans chapter 8, what Paul writes is he says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead The same power that swallowed up sin and death. The same power that proclaimed victory over the best that death and sin and Satan had to offer. That same power lives in you. Which means you have victory over sin. And you have victory over death. And you have freedom from all of this because that same spirit is inside of me. And if you've been born again, he's inside of you. And that matters deeply. Because Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, then what? You're actually free. You really are. He's not gaming you. This isn't make-believe. This is real. And so it goes to the practical question. Then, well, Well, then how? How do we live free from sin? You choose it. You choose it. You choose to pursue freedom in Christ. You choose. And the reason you can is because the Spirit of God's living inside of you. And, and that's very important because the first step to freedom and sin, it's faith in Christ. If, if, you don't, if you have not been transformed through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, if the Spirit of God is not living in you, you have a snowball's chance and you know where that you're going to be free from sin. It's not going to happen. And so you've got to start with believing that Jesus is the Son of God. You've got to believe that he was raised from the dead and that that same power that raised him also raised you from the dead and is living inside of you. That's got to be true. That's got to be true. That's got to be real in your life. You've got to put all of your weight on that. You'll never experience freedom without Christ and without the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done. It cannot. That's the first. The second way to pursue freedom in Christ is this. I'm going to say this, and some of you guys are going to go, but listen, and it's not read your Bible. (laughs) I promise you. I know I've gotten you with that a couple weeks in a row. Um, But no, this the second one, literally for for just everybody, everybody here who can hear the sound of my voice, everybody who's joining us can hear the sound of my voice. For many of us, Pursuing freedom in Christ, one of the most spiritual things you can do to be free from sin are things like go to bed at a decent hour. Like for real. Do you know one of the reasons you're so susceptible to sin the next day? You didn't sleep. You're not even prepared to start tomorrow because you stayed up till whenever doing whatever. Some of the most spiritual things you could do is drink more water and like lay off the other stuff you're leveraging. Some of the most spiritual things you can do is to take your medication the way that it's been prescribed to you. Seriously. Some of the most spiritual things you can do is to pack your lunch instead of stopping at each quick place 
to grab something. Some of the most spiritual things you can do is put the software on your laptop, on your phone, on the Netflix. Some of the most spiritual things you can do is just stop buying alcohol. I'm, for real, I'm, I'm being serious. One of the reasons you and I battle so much with sin and we fall to it is we are not even in a physical place to be ready to have the spiritual mindset to trust on Jesus. And so the simple act of taking care of this temple will have massive effects on your ability to walk with Christ and trust him in the day-to-day. And I know for some of you that's not spiritual enough, but I'm telling you, it's real. You've got to make the decision that your old ways of coping with life are actually what's keeping you in slavery to sin. And it's time to cut ties with that. And will it be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. Christ didn't promise you easy. You know what he did promise you? I'll be with you. And I'll empower you. And I will give you the ability to get out from any form of temptation that you come across. That's in the scriptures. And for some of us, we actually just have to go down a different aisle. And it's going to be annoying sometimes when you need to go look something up online and your software stops you and you've got to go find somebody who can punch in the password or maybe you go find this thing they used to make. They're called encyclopedias. <laughs> and you look it up at a library which has books for free. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. I'm done. Um, but seriously, some of the most spiritual things you could do is to just take care of this temple a little bit better and it'll put you in a place to rely on the spirit in real time. Here's the last thing I want to tell you to find freedom. For many of us, it's time for you to invite someone else into your battle. It's time for you to invite someone else into your battle. James chapter 5 verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. For some of us, the barrier to healing and freedom is the fact that you're doing this by yourself. And that's exactly where Satan wants to keep you. What's amazing, listen, it's true. There is healing. Jesus, it says it right in the scriptures. There is healing when we confess to one another and we pray for one another. And when you confess your abiding sin, what ends up happening when you do that to another growing disciple, amazing things begin to happen. You find that you have been believing the lie that you're the only one. Some of you believe that I'm the only one who struggles with this. I'm the only one who's failing. I'm the only one who's losing. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you'll find that that's not true. You'll find a person across the table who doesn't look on you with judgment and disgust, but they actually look on you with empathy and care because they want to help you. You find hope. You find encouragement through prayer. What the scriptures say is when you confess, you find 
healing. It's true. It's in the scriptures. And so in the same way that you and I used to pursue sin, now, by faith, because the Spirit of God is living inside of us, we can actually pursue freedom in Christ. It's real. Because if the Son has set you free, well, you're actually free. You really are. So for the first few years of my life in Christ, I thought that there were certain thoughts and certain actions that I would never be free from. It's too insurmountable. It's too big. It's too great. I'll never find freedom from that. And now 26 years later, I don't wrestle with those things the way that I used to today. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't wrestle with sin. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is I don't wrestle with those things that I thought I would never be free from. I don't wrestle them the way I did then. I'll tell you what, though. You, know what, you want to know why? Because the Holy Spirit and I have found new things to wrestle over. I'm not sure if that's encouraging to you or not. <laughs> The reality is you, you will never be completely free from sin's influence in this world. You will always face temptation. You will always face the battle. But it's okay because the victory has already been won. The victory is living in you. It's there. He's there. He's walking with you. He's empowering you. And I know that for some of you, you feel beaten down. You feel weighed down. You feel like a fake. You feel like a hypocrite. And you go, yeah, freedom, that sounds great. Maybe that works for you, preacher man, but that's never going to be the reality for me. And I want to tell you, yes, it can. Yes, it can. It's why Jesus did it. I asked you a question at the beginning of the message. My question is this. What would you be willing to do to experience freedom from sin? I don't know how you answer that question. But I want to tell you how Jesus answered that question. Jesus said, I am willing to give you absolutely everything I have so that you can be free from sin. And so pursue Jesus. Pursue freedom in him. It's the only way you'll ever be set free. Because he who the Son has set free, you're actually free. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. I want to ask the question we ask it every Sunday. It's Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him.
God, we praise you for freedom. We praise you that there is no other pathway to find freedom except through Jesus Christ. And and I praise you that, that you said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In fact, I'm going to put my spirit in you. We're going to be closer than any other relationship you've ever had in your life. I'm actually going to empower you to freedom. And so my prayer for my own life, Lord, and my prayer for my family and my friends here today is that we would experience freedom through Christ, in Christ. And that it's real. And that we would enjoy it. And it would transform the way that we live. Help us to see that with clarity, I pray. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.